what's being reflected back to them is that they're wrong. They're making a bad choice. And even if they haven't revealed the relationship yet, they have the sense, of course, just by knowing what their family is like, like and knowing what South Asian culture is like, they have such fear that that starts to diminish their confidence and their self-worth and their, their sense of self, right? Like who they have known themselves to be this long is now being challenged because they're being, they're being either met with disapproval or they're fearing disapproval and, you know, all the way to rejection. Welcome Black Sheep. Welcome South Asian women and femmes. Welcome LGBTQ loves of all kinds. My name is Roshni, and this podcast is called Becoming Enough. I'm a self-worth coach, and I'm here to help you learn to let go of your old life and the life that you built when you felt unloved and unworthy, and welcome you into your new life of high self-worth, where you know your value and you trust yourself fully. My greatest passion is talking to you about self-worth and this journey of loving ourselves and believing that we are enough. Get cozy, grab a cup of coffee, Get ready for your walk because this is going to be another beautiful episode. I hope you love it. Tanya Mitra is a conscious change life coach who works with women of color and women of immigrant descent to permanently shake out of stuckness by journeying into deep self-rediscovery to break the cycles of limitation and unpack their cultural and societal conditioning to identify, create, and navigate the exact change they want and need in their lives. She is also the creator of Blindy and Bliss, a unique group coaching program for South Asian women in relationship with a Black partner who are struggling with familial disapproval and rejection and tired of living in secrecy and shame. Born in Toronto, Canada to South Asian parents from Kolkata, India, Tanya is music-loving, world-traveling, five-language-speaking, divorced, and repartnered mama of two, and stepmama of three, who belongs to a blended, blindian, black and Indian family based in Houston, Texas. She left a 15-plus year career in New York City as an executive in luxury fashion to pursue her true passion of supporting other strong, ambitious women of color to step into their power and their purpose unapologetically. Through both her private and group coaching containers, Tanya takes her clients from staying stagnant and stuck, not exploring or expressing their truth, and allowing fear to prevent them from finding their passions and their purpose, to becoming courageous, confident, and clear, equipped with the thoughts, beliefs, and renewed self-concept to create actionable conscious change in all areas of their lives. Thank you so much to Tanya for joining me for this episode. All of her information and links will be in the show notes below. And I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Tanya. Welcome to another episode. I'm so excited for this guest episode. We have Tanya Mitra here and she is really just an incredible coach. And I'm so glad that we connected. I feel like it just kind of happened out of nowhere. I saw you on the Blindian project and then all of a sudden we just clicked and I've loved seeing everything that you share online and every conversation we had. I just feel so inspired by you and the work that you do. So I'm so, so glad you could join us today. I love that so much. And I feel the same. And thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to have, you know, more conversation with you. I feel equally as um, inspired by your content and, you know, everything that you stand for. And I relate to it so deeply as well. And I think, you know, it's, there needs to be more conversation about the things that you and I both speak about um, just in the world. You know, there's, there's just so much need for it. 
I definitely agree. I mean, I thank you so much for saying that, first of all. And um, I just think it's so empowering to know that there are South Asian feminine voices that are out there just sharing all the things that are so hard to talk about. Um, So for someone who doesn't know you, can you introduce and share a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Tanya Mitra. I am a life coach, a certified life coach, and I work specifically with women of color and women of immigrant descent. Um, I am focused on change. That is my focus. I call myself the conscious change coach because what I really work with um, women and and humans that identify as women, um, what I work with them to do is to truly get unstuck. And that can happen in a variety of ways, right? So that is either searching and seeking change that they don't know how to start on or embark on, or they're fearful of, or processing and navigating through change that is happening in their life um, that they were not expecting or they weren't prepared for. And they need to get to the other side of. So, you know, in that duality, what we really work on is mindset and um, belief systems, which are so often, you know, the product of our environment, our cultural conditioning. So, you know, being a woman of color myself and having lived that experience, it's so important for me to be able to integrate that reality and that nuanced unique um, way of being, way of experiencing life that we have into into my work. Um, And so, you know, we work on becoming unstuck and and really moving forward into whatever change um, my clients are seeking. Also, (laughs) I am also the creator of Blending Bliss, which is a program, a group coaching program for South Asian women who are in relationship with a Black partner. And that is my lived experience, something that I have um, lived and, and, you know, sort of navigated for the last 25 years. And last year, I realized that there was a place in the world that, you know, was, was, there was not enough support for this type of experience. There wasn't a place that South Asian women could go to ask questions and navigate the the really difficult reality of facing their parents or other objectors in their life who had a who had issue or had bias against relationships not just interracial but specifically with black individuals that really is such an important space to to fill and i feel like there is such a need for that because especially as like so many of us, like we're not growing up in India. A lot of us are growing up in different parts of the world. And of course, we're going to meet different people and we're going to fall in love with who we fall in love with, you know, and and to have something so beautiful as the experience of falling in love and then to have resistance to that or to have someone say you're wrong for doing this, like that cuts so deep and it's such a deep wound. And I think it it makes it so hard to say like, I come from this family and I'm proud of my parents and my siblings or, you know, what, whatever your family is that you come from. And then to say, I'm, I'm going to expand my personal family and I'm going to start a family and to not have this feeling of a whole family unit behind you. Like it, it takes that magical moment of saying, I'm going to be that person now who's that mom or who's that parent. And now I, I'm also losing everything at the same time. Like it brings up, I feel like so much grief to know that you're losing a family and 
gaining something. So, I mean, have you noticed that in, in your clients or in your own experience? Absolutely. I think that that's the number one thing that my clients come to me for or with is fear, right? Like what happens? So I have two types of clients. So I have some clients who um, join the program who have not yet told their parents or whomever it is in their family about their blending partnership. And then I have some clients who have, but are being faced with objection or disapproval, rejection, and they're all sort of sitting in this fear space. And it's just so unfortunate because to your point, you know, love is to be celebrated. Love is to be championed. And um, there's, especially in our culture that is so family oriented um, to know that as you are embarking on building what your iteration of family looks like, that the people that you've loved and viewed as your family for your entire life that you care for so deeply are not able to support your choice. So, you know, fear and fear of rejection and fear of what's going to happen if are really huge themes that come up. And what happens is that, you know, a lot of my clients become sort of paralyzed because of that fear. So they don't know how to move forward either with sharing their truth or with sort of navigating through the nuances of that push and pull, that tug of that relationship, you know, the stress that's placed on the relationship because of their choice. So they're just sort of living in this sort of shame and this fear. And it's so sad because again, we, it, it's very hard to, for them to understand that perhaps there is a possible possibility to have a collective family or maybe there's not, right? So, you know, to, to try to figure out what is going to work for them or what is going to be the outcome for them is sometimes also a fear. You know, they just, they just there's so much, so much unknown and there's so much question because they don't have a lot of people to pull from experience um, in, in navigating this journey, right? There's not a whole lot of people out here talking about this particular unique experience. I don't have the experience of having a Blindian partner, but I can relate to this on some levels with having a partner that my parents didn't really approve of. And it is an interracial situation. And with my parents also being Christian and me and my partner aren't, you know, that adds another level of like, you, you failed at this thing, right? Like you no longer are this person that we raised and um, to, to have that kind of breaking off point into again, feel definitely that, that paralyzed by fear, um, thing that you were just like mindset. And, um, it's like a bodily reaction too, that you were, um, sharing about. I relate to that heavily, you know, because like, I, I never really wanted to get married super young or like in my early twenties, but I have been with my partner for seven years and, and we're not married. And I do think a lot of that real, like when I think about my wedding, as much as I think about like you know, just how exciting it would be or certain parts of that day that would be good. It doesn't exist without the simultaneous thought and feeling of like stress, shame, who's going to be invited, who's going to come support, what's it going to be like, how am I going to have a wedding that isn't a Christian wedding? What am I going to do when everything about this day disappoints my family? Um, and those feelings are are really real. And it does put you in this place of just being so stuck and you feel embarrassed to celebrate these good things about yourself, you know, and, and about your life. And it's 
hard to say like and to mentally and physically process this idea of like this is the happiest person you have ever been but like this whole experience has soured it so much that I don't feel comfortable in even celebrating this openly I feel like I have to keep it close to me like a secret or something and even though everyone in my life knows about it it still sometimes feels like a dirty secret. Absolutely. I think the concept of secrecy and the shame that is born from that secrecy is the thing, is sort of the driving force behind why I even created Blinian Bliss. Understanding that there are so many consequences of secrecy, right? There are internal consequences that you yourself face emotionally, mentally, and physically. A lot of my clients come to me with huge anxiety problems that manifest into physical symptoms. So they have a lot of nausea, they have a lot of lightheadedness, they have a lot of just simply feeling exhausted and fatigued from the mental pressure of, you know, constantly thinking about this. So that secrecy really presents as internalized shame a lot of the time. um, And they don't, know how to process that because the very people that they would usually go to are the very people who are, you know, sort of causing that. And what ends up happening is that there becomes this fragmented and and dual life being lived, right? Like there's this double life happening where they are living, you know, one way and one experience in their home, or even if they don't live with their parents, you know, when they are in communication with their families, there's a whole different personality put forward. And then they have this other life with their Black partner, with their friends, socially, work-wise, where they're presenting a whole different persona. And that split is so um, disruptive, really, to finding and sharing our truth, which ultimately is the thing that I coach on the most, right? Is really being able to express unapologetically, whatever that truth is, and live into it. And when we live this way, when we're, you know, one way, straddling two worlds in one way, in in one environment, and, and a whole different way in another, and we don't know how to marry those two things, it becomes so, so difficult to even know who you are, you know, to know which one is you. And, you know, what I tell my clients is that it's all you, but you have to really understand and and, and learn how to prioritize the parts of you that are really going to serve you, your spirit, your center, um, and, and start to really dispel the noise that's coming from the outside. But that's just such a hard concept for South Asian women because we've spent, spent our lives really being the good girl or the good daughter, or, you know, this is the way life goes. You do a X, Y, Z thing, and then your life is success. And, you know, to your point about marriage, marriage is such a huge thing in our culture, right? Like this is the thing that everybody waits for. We were, we were talked to about marriage since we are little children, especially as, you know, women or whatever you want to, you know, in, in South Asian world, you're women, right? Um, and so that in itself, knowing that my clients are already sort of bathed in fear because this, this day, this moment, this experience that they're supposed to have been, you know, working towards their whole life is now going to look very, very different because they're in a partnership with a Black person, which is just unfortunate. <laughs> very, very, you know, it's just sad to to not be able to celebrate it the same way 
as they would otherwise. It's that's exactly what I was thinking when you were talking about that point of marriage. I was like, this is what we're bred for. <laughs> this is like the thing, you know, like you go to college and you get good grades and you, you do all these things. And then like the big thing is marriage. And then after that, it's, you know, having kids and, you know, that gets celebrated as well. But like marriage is the thing. And the thing that like you are also judged for is not being married or being too older, you know, X, Y, and Z. So to be able to say, I found someone that I love, I found someone that I want to spend the rest of my life with, and no one's forcing me to do this. And then to have that as well, you're still not good enough. And like, we're always felt uh, fed with this message of you're not good enough. You're not good enough. Like, you know, try harder at, at extracurriculars, try harder at your grades, try harder at, you know, X, Y, Z. So subconsciously, even if they're not saying the words, you're not good enough. It's like, well, why'd you get a 98 instead of a hundred, you know? And, and we got, we get these messages all the time of perfectionism and of having to, you know, almost like work in spite of ourselves, you know, to, to prove this thing to the world. And so when you're coming from that place and then you finally do this thing that's supposed to get you your worth and to, to have that then be seen as not good enough, it's just like, it's, it's heartbreaking. Um, but I do want to ask you about this, this shift of like going from, you know, um, that, that place of being paralyzed by fear to being able to start taking action, like, can you talk about what the client goes through in that shift? Absolutely. So we work through six modules in the program and it's designed to take you sort of from exploring your own personal history and our history at large, because it's really important that we, you know, as, as beings who want to be understood for our choices, we also need to take some time to understand other people's perspectives and their choices and why they might have the point of view that they have. So that's where we start. We really start exploring by, start by exploring sort of what our parents or objectors or our cultural history is and why we have the experience that we have choosing to be in, you know, a partnership interracial, yes, but specifically with black people, right? That, that, that's, it just presents as a different iteration and a, and a more challenging one. Um, so we work through that and then we get very, very clear on our own personal beliefs and biases, because it's also important for us to really navigate through our own sort of belief system and understand where we land in all of that. Because if we're, you know, conflicted in our own beliefs, it's going to be very, very difficult to get anybody else on board with our choices, right? We have to be very, very clear on why we're making the choices that we're making and how they're serving us or not, right? So we work through um, that sort of self-rediscovery. And then we work into um, a place where we, are, we start talking about our truth and our experience and why we are making the choices that we are making and how to translate that into the world, right? To how to really become confident and clear about the communication of that, of who you are and who you want to be and how you're presenting that in the world, not just with the people who are, who are objecting to the relationship, but as a person in, in the world who has chosen to be in a Black partnership, because the reality is that goes beyond the family, right? That that has that has impact in the world. And there's a, per, a particular perspective that the world is going to mirror back. And they need to be prepared for all of that beyond just what their parents think. So looking at it from that bigger perspective 
also helps them get prepared for, you know, the life that they're choosing to live. Um, and then we work through a very important part, which is learning how to dialogue about these, you know, really difficult conversations. Um, I have a five part strategy that I teach in module four, which is called translating your truth, um, that, that really walks them through, you know, a strategic way to plan and prepare their conversation so that a lot of the emotion and the, the extra fluff and the not needed parts are left out so that they can, again, you know, when, when we get to module four, four translating your truth, they've already worked through sort of their own beliefs and their own, you know, ideas of where, where they are. Um, and so they are ready to now start talking about it. So we work through this strategy of really, you know, um, almost creating a template of, of what they're going to say. And then they practice having these conversations and preparing for any outcome because you have to be prepared for any outcome. And in, in doing that exercise, what happens is that they start to see their own strength and they start to see their own, um, you know, the, the, their own truth, their own truth really starts to come forward and they start to gain more confidence around their choices and how they're gonna communicate it. And then what, what we move into next is building boundaries, right? We really identify the boundaries that they individually need in order to protect not only themselves, but their partnership. Because their partnership does get affected from this situation, right? Like how can their partnership not get affected? You know, they have a partner who is like, well, what's wrong with me in that your parents can't accept me? Or what's wrong with me in that I'm not good enough for you culturally? or what's wrong with me or my family or my upbringing or my beliefs or my, you know, so we, we work through all of that and we really create some boundaries around um, what's going to protect them and keep them safe. And then we take next steps, you know, and, and really prepare them for the world that they're entering into um, as a, as a Blindian couple, right? There's again, like I said before, there's just so much more beyond just that communication with, with the parents. And by the time we work through these 12 weeks of really, you know, that self self discovery and that, you know, the communication strategy strategy and the boundary setting, they're really much more secure in themselves. And they're just much clearer about their choices. And they're looking at themselves rather than do somebody doing something wrong as trailblazers and change makers and realizing the strength in that and the power you know, that, that exists because of their choice. That personal power piece is so important. And I, I love that there's kind of this work up to, you know, the big conversations in feeling personally secure, because that rejection can hit so deep, especially if there's parts of you that, you know, are um, triggered by that, or who maybe even still believe it or have these internalized fragments of, you know, this is wrong, but you know, like any of those um, just internal beliefs that you maybe grew up with and don't even realize that you have, if there's any truth that you think is there from what people are saying to you, it's going to hit in a, in a different way. So having that um, kind of strong foundation to be in and having that feeling of groundedness in your life, who you are, your decisions, um, feeling like almost like it has a right to exist, I think is so important in this process because otherwise you could just get 
the wind knocked out of you. I mean, that can happen anyway, but you know, even on a deeper level. So I love what you shared about boundary setting and practicing those conversations. Um, have there been any like themes that you've noticed about setting boundaries in South Asian culture or, you know, how, how that's different than American culture? Yeah. I mean, you know, respect or the concept of respect and, and sort of, um, family hierarchy comes up a lot, right? Because, you know, we are taught in, in our culture that we need to respect our elders. And often that means not sharing our truth with them, right? Protecting them at all costs. And even when that means self-sacrifice, that is what the expectation is, is that you will sacrifice yourself, your own needs, your own desires, your own thoughts for the, for in order to show respect to the elder or the other, right? Coming from a collectivist culture like ours, you know, that's just inherently the, the standard of operations in, in our world. And so, you know, as young South Asians growing up in a Western society, we're still inherently fed with these messages. So what ends up happening a lot of the time is that you know, there's this huge conflict between being this respectful, good girl, good daughter, you know, that, um, you know, shows all the respect and just follows what everybody else says, because they're wiser and older and have better guidance, right. And then also realizing, wait a second, but I don't live in your country and your time and your space in your reality, and I never will. You don't, also understand my space and my reality and my experience and what I have to deal with. So that friction is a common, common theme that comes up. So finding a way to build boundaries around protecting your own experience, your own truth, and not, you know, not having to succumb all the time to the other is something that, you know, it sounds super simple, but that my clients have a really hard time with because they at the same time want to respect their parents and make sure their parents are taken care of, especially as they get older and, you know, and, and um, have more needs, but also they want their parents to understand them and, and accept them. So, you know, understanding how, how to draw the line and really, you know, cause I've had clients who have had very, very aggressive situations at home where, you know, there were, there was a lot of toxic language. There was a lot of, um, I have one client in particular where, you know, there is almost like emotional abuse happening and verbal abuse, um, not just to her, but to her partner, just because of her choice. Right. So creating boundaries around, yes, I want to make sure my parents are okay. And I want to check on them because her father is not in great health but also knowing when to separate herself, knowing when, you know, it's okay to hang up the phone or exit or not visit or take time for herself or put up a wall between her partner and, and, and her family, you know, understanding that it's okay to do that and understanding that it's necessary to do that to protect her own mental, mental health and emotional health. Um, you know, that's an example of a, a boundary setting that is just so necessary and required. And, you know, what I've found in working with these clients and, and these, these women is that boundaries are not part of their language, right? That's not a thing that we are taught 
there is no real space for privacy in our culture. There's not a lot of space for autonomy and sovereignty. Um, so these are themes that even though these are very, you know, successful and professional women, you know, a lot of them are PhDs and like all the things that externally look great, they haven't built those tools internally yet because it's just not part of our cultural conditioning to do so. A hundred percent. I mean, I think it feels so foreign and that's why advice from so many, you know, common like white therapists or, you know, even white life coaches, it doesn't apply the same way because even if the end goal is to set boundaries, the route about getting there is so different. And there's so many different like hurdles and things that you kind of have to work through to realize exactly the respect thing that you mentioned, you know, that it's not disrespectful and that you deserve respect too, you know? And I think that it's just so interesting to kind of study this whole process that we go through from self-sacrificing over and over and, and being expected to do that to this point where we find it so difficult to just fight for even a little bit of respect. And I hate that for us. Like, I hate that that's, you know, our reality and part of what is so beautiful about, um, you know, people standing up for themselves and finding ways to create boundaries and choosing their authentic selves is that hopefully, you know, even if it's um, not their direct children, hopefully they're making that kind of impact on the world and the people around them to say like, there is better, there is more that we can do. And this is how we create change, you know? And I think that's something that I come across with my clients as well is being black sheep or just being um, South Asian femmes who are struggling with you know, their families and their parents, it's, it's just so difficult to navigate this feeling of like, how do I make the change that I want to see without upsetting them? Like, we're always still so focused and so centered around their feelings and their emotions. And it's like, in order to break away, you're going to do something that upsets them. And even, you know, processing that and like digesting that is, is hard because we're literally wired to do everything but that, you know? And so, um, but, but it's such an important realization that needs some time to kind of sink in to say like, you know, I, I, I am going to accept them, but I, I have to, like, I have to fight for myself in this moment, you know, but that's where that seed of power really like fosters and starts blossoming. And the the things that you gain out of that are just absolutely priceless. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, exactly what you said is why this work can't be done with a white coach or a coach of a different ethnicity or racial background, because, you know, there's just such specific nuance to being raised in a South Asian household um, that, you know, the idea of autonomy and sovereignty isn't a thing, right? And it's interesting because we are pushed in a direction for success, right? It's an expectation. It's not even, you know, it's not, not even a question. You know, you have to be this thing. You have, you know, the trajectory of our life is already set up for us. I often say to my partners um, and friends of different, you know, racial backgrounds, like college is not anything to be celebrated because I see, you know, people having graduation parties and my kids going to college. And I'm like, yeah, that's not a thing. Like we don't do that. That's just part of what we do. That is an expectation, right? And so the same level of expectation applies to partnership. 
right? This, there's this, the, there's just this inherent expectation from when we're kids that our parents have already decided what we're, what our future marriage, partnership, children is, is going to be the same way that they've decided what our career is going to be, right? And we have very unconsciously accepted that, which is why we have such a hard time when we break that vision and do something different. We don't have the 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 tools to counter it, right? Because we've been we've been conditioned to believe one thing in one way for you know just for so very long. So it's really difficult for any other wellness professional to really speak to this because yeah, you can do all the general stuff, but that like internal family stuff and the hierarchy and the respect and then you know just the expectations and the perfectionism that you spoke about like all of that is just so deeply ingrained into us that even though we've done a pretty good job a lot of us at at undoing some of it we don't realize how deeply seated it is in our being so when we're doing something so different as partnering with a black person which for us is very different than partnering with a white person or another Asian or somebody else, right? When you go to that extent, which is, you know, in, in South Asian parents or, or culture, that's the furthest extent that you can go, maybe outside of being with a Muslim, you know, if you're a Hindu or vice versa, Hinduism with a Muslim, um, that brings up a lot of these issues internally because they can fight for, okay, I'm going to be an accountant and not a lawyer, or I'm going to be a, you know, but to fight this fight takes a different skill set and a different amount of confidence and courage. A hundred percent. In the process of a lot of your clients setting boundaries, have you noticed that eventually over time, maybe their families kind of come across or have you noticed like more often than not, it does create some sort of tie. And I know every situation is going to be really different, but I'm just, um, if you've seen any patterns, that would be interesting. Yeah. So. So it's gone both ways in that for some of my clients, just simply saying it out loud was the win, right? And then we work on everything that's to come because the reality is it's not going to look great for everybody. It is not going to be the ideal set of circumstances. And that's the thing I really focus on in the program is that we have to be prepared for any outcome, but that doesn't change who you are and that shouldn't change who you are. Right. And that's really the lesson here is that this is about them. This is not about their Blinian relationship. This is not about their parents' reaction to it. This is about holding firm in their truth no matter what, no matter what the circumstance is. Right. We're taking a quick break from this episode to talk about the magic of self-worth coaching sessions. All of my self-worth coaching sessions are individualized and personalized to meet you where you are. This is really about finding you where you are in your journey of healing your self-worth and building your self-worth, as well as undoing the life that you built when you felt unloved and unworthy. And we really do a deep dive into how you're feeling right now and the thoughts and habits that are going on within your mindset that are continuing the patterns that you're living over and over again. 
because a lot of us come from difficult or traumatic backgrounds, these sessions are not built for you to revisit your trauma or to talk about all of your most painful memories. Of course, I'm always here to hold space for you if that is what you need to do, but life coaching isn't about diving into the past. It's about meeting you where you are and seeing what we can do to make little tweaks to move forward. One of the biggest pillars of my coaching sessions as well is that you are the expert on your own life, meaning that this isn't about me telling you what to do or telling you how to live or the changes you need to make. What we're doing together is working on your mindset and building up certain habits or thought patterns that allow you to communicate with yourself, to deepen your self-trust, and to follow your own intuition. And the difference between a self-worth coaching session with me and a session with a different life coach is that I understand understand the black sheep experience and I understand what it's like to go through life being raised as a South Asian woman or femme. Our experiences are unique and it can be so frustrating when you're trying to explain to a coach or to a therapist how our family systems work. But my biggest passion is helping you see that no matter where you came from or what kind of family you were raised in, you absolutely deserve to be loved, seen, and heard. Your first coaching session is always available at a discount. You can learn more about self-worth coaching at my website, www.bettygrewup.com. That's B-E-T-I grewup.com. And if you'd like a payment plan for your intro session or for any other coaching sessions, just fill out the contact form on my website so that I can get back to you with more information and a payment plan that works for you. You can find my website linked below in the show notes. Now, back to our episode. Which is, you know, what I teach in my larger coaching, you know, world when I when I coach women of color, just about the necessity to really just own and live into your truth, you know, and and that evolves and changes over time. With my Blindian clients, my South Asian clients, um, yes, there have been situations where the parents might not agree, but they listen. They're, they come to a place where they're at least able to accept, if not agree, right? There have been circumstances in which there have has been some kind of acceptance, um, but this is a work in progress, right? They're coming to me fresh and raw, right? So I know just through my own experience, 25 years of lived experience in this, you know, in blending relationships that it's not one conversation, it's not two conversations, it's years of conversation. Because as your life evolves, the conversations will need to as well, right? We're starting now with a relationship, then there's marriage, then there's religion, then there's cultural differences, then there might be socioeconomic differences, family differences, children, you know, all of the things that are to come. This is just the, the root. But if we get the root right, then all of that, stuff becomes easier, right? Everything down the road becomes easier as well. Absolutely. Everything that you say about, you know, the root and how it's focused on them and not just their, their families and their relationship is so important. And I mean, that's exactly the kind of thought process that led me to, to start my course, not your Betty, because it's so much about self-trust, right? And how that really is the root of everything and why we have such a specific set of problems dealing with self-trust and getting to that point of being able to trust ourselves because we 
are not allowed to make our own decisions, right? Like you said earlier, you know, we're, our life is on this trajectory and there's these decisions that are made for us and we just have to like do it in our own life in our own flavor, you know what I mean? But like, there really isn't that much room for variation in that, in that setup and trajectory. So having, you know, to, whether it's, you know, any decision in any part of your life that strays from it, there's going to be some bumps in the road around it. And obviously, as you said before, I mean, this is kind of taking it to the the extreme as being in like a, a Blindian relationship, but there's, um, regardless of even how small that decision is for, South Asian femmes, like it is something that can really throw you off course and can really mess with you. Um, if you could share something to a client or to clients who have had these conversations and realize that there's going to be a split in the family, like what would you say to them to kind of help them through that mental process? You know, ultimately they're making a choice based on something that they're their spirit, their heart, their center is asking for, right? So it's really about shifting the focus there and eliminating a lot of the peripheral, you know, what I call noise. And I don't say noise in a bad way, but there are so many opinions and perspectives and beliefs that are available to us all the time, you know, blending relationships and beyond, right? There's so much of that, that we have to really always filter through that to come back to ourselves. So if we're able to come back to ourselves and understand that this is something that really feeds us, fills us, that we need, then we have to also be at peace with the fact that our family might not get on board, that our family may never accept it, right? So it's really sad when we have to make that choice, right? It's, it's, it's unfortunate, it's painful. Um, we work through that, right? We, we work through that by really identifying the why, like, why are you choosing this, right? You're not choosing this because, you know, you're, you're trying to defy your family, you're trying to go against your South Asian culture, or that you're trying to hurt anybody. It's not out of malice. It's not out of ill intent, right? This is, this is for love. And love is a beautiful thing. And love comes in so many different forms. And love fills us in so many different ways, right? One of the worries that a lot of my clients have is, well, what if this doesn't work out? Then will it have been for nothing, right? Will I have fought for this blending relationship for nothing? And I'm like, you know, you're not fighting only for the blending relationship, you're fighting for you, right? So no matter what happens, you are, are clear that you are making decisions that are aligned with who you are right now. And sometimes there are consequences to that. Sometimes there are consequences in the form of family dynamic, right? Family split or, you know, some people agreeing or, you know, sometimes I, I've had a situation where a client has had to remove herself entirely from her family. And that is a unfortunate consequence, but a very real one, you know? Um, and she was at a point where she was able to do that because she was so sure she had been married to an Indian South Asian man, done all the things, right, that she was, quote, unquote, supposed to do, or, you know, her parents approved of, and that didn't work for her, right? She was insanely unhappy. It was a very toxic relationship. There was a lot of racism within that relationship. And, you know, she felt completely unaligned with it, right? So she removed herself from that relationship. Um, 
met and married a, or met and partnered with a black man and is in a completely different state of mind, emotional, you know, happiness. Like there's just so much good that has come from it, but her parents were not able to understand. And her parents are still very much committed to what was rather than paying attention to what is and their daughter's well-being, right? So also just sort of that's, you know, where the boundary setting comes in and just being very clear on who you are, right? She recognized that if she was to be happy, that she would have to fracture that relationship with her parents. And she was willing to do that because at the end of the day, you know, if, if there's a lack of understanding and a lack of empathy and a lack of really caring about you rather than caring about, you know, that tried and true Indian phrase or that South Asian phrase, what will other people think? You know, letting go of that, she was able to let go of, well, I don't care what other people will think. And honestly, like at this point, I'm not so sure I care what you think. And she was able to detach herself um, from, from the, from her parents. And, you know, again, very sad that it had to happen that way, but it's a, it's a real consequence of affecting change in your life. Sometimes when we affect change, other people don't like it. And we have to decide if we're going to live in their light or within ours. That's such a beautiful way to to put it. And I love that you shared that it's, you know, again, just coming back to this personal experience, right? Even if it doesn't work out, it is still about you and you fighting for yourself and your happiness and your peace of mind and fighting just for even the freedom to make choices, right? And I think something that is so frustrating about this whole, you know, trajectory or conveyor belt that the that we're on is that, you know, your parents will say, oh, well, I know what's best for you. I know it will make you happy. I just want you to be happy. But then it's like when you find your happiness and they are not supportive of it, it's truly a shock because you're like, this has all been about them and everything I've been striving for and everything I've been doing to prove myself has been about them, you know, and that brings up anger, grief, sadness, rage, you know, it, it's a lot. But then when you realize like, these are your dreams. These aren't my dreams. And my reality has to take precedence over your dreams, you know, and that whole thought process and life evolution, it is so painful. And it's so beautiful at the same time. And the both are both are just so intertwined, because it is the experience of finding yourself and being true to yourself. And you know, there's nothing more pure than that. But at the same time, when it comes with so much just messiness and so much, you know, anger and resistance from the people around you, it, it, there's no way that it's not going to be painful, you know, even if that's on a varying degree. So I, I just wanted to highlight a lot of what you shared and say that, you know, it's, it's such a unique and difficult thing to go through, but it doesn't come without its own strength and its own beauty and its own empowerment as well. Yeah. And, you know, the, the really beautiful thing about this, and, you know, I really try to instill into my clients that this they are affecting generational change right because my children who are both half black and half south asian are going to have a completely different experience of choice of an openness that does didn't exist for me and doesn't exist for so many of us right so just by virtue of choosing a partnership that is different than expectation you're changing the narrative for your children, right? You're changing what's possible for them, what's available to them. And that I think is just such a 
a, a beautiful byproduct of any type of interfaith, interracial, intergender, however you want to look at it, but just the differences in how we can show up in this world, right? And the different iterations of family and future that are available to us. I mean, it's endless. So why are we so married to this one idea, right? Why are we so um, committed to this one way of doing things? And so, you know, I look at my kids and I'm like, we'll never have the conversation about you can't date this person or that person is less than or more than, or, you know, especially having black children. I, I, I also am more sensitive now to other people's judgment against them. Right. Like I, I am curious sometimes. I wonder if like my son could date a little Indian girl. I wonder if that would work in another South Asian family's eyes, even with me being Indian. Right. So the ability to change a generation is so powerful. And for anybody that is a trailblazer, a change maker, they didn't do that with no strife, with no struggle, right? They didn't do that with not having to challenge really difficult norms, really, you know, stupid perspectives and, and um, antiquated ideas, right? So this is sort of the work here is to, to really be so sure in your choice and, and, and so convicted in your conviction that you have the ability to, to, to affect really great, amazing change. That's not going to just change one or two lives. It's going to, you know, have a ripple effect and change so many. So, you know, that's why I think it's so important to, to really do this work because it does go beyond just your relationship. It really is about how you show up and the choices that you allow yourself so that you can generationally provide those choices as well. Absolutely. And like how and like beautiful is it to know that you are a safe space, right? For another, you know, whether it's your own child or like a niece, a nephew, anyone who's, you know, in your life to know that they just by your pure existence and your pure choices that they have someone to go to, that they know they can feel comfortable with and safe with to express themselves or to question, you know, who, who they are or who they may love, you know, and um, that really is like the, the kind of change we need to continue seeing in the world is just acceptance, right? You don't have to agree with everything, but can you prioritize the fact that they're your family or they're your own children? That should be enough. And the fact that it's not, I mean, it, it, it's just hard to say, I'm not enough for my parents. Like the fact that I'm my parents' child isn't enough for them to love me. Like that's, to be honest, just a complete mindfuck <laughs> to, to have that experience and be like, this is my reality right now. Um, could you share a little bit about how that impacts, um, you know, your, your client's self-worth or how you've noticed that their self-worth grows through the process of going through this course as well? Yeah, they, they come in, you know, it's such an interesting thing because my clients are generally very high performing, educated, professional, or studying to be a professional South Asian women. Like it is because they've done the thing they were supposed to do in their professional life or their career life, right? So they're following that trajectory. 
So they have some sense of confidence and self-worth. Now they're doing this other thing. And most of them, this is their first Blindian relationship. Maybe not their first interracial relationship, but usually their first serious partnership with a Black individual. And that challenges their self-worth, right? Because the, 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 um, what, what's being reflected back to them is that they're wrong. They're making a bad choice. And even if they haven't revealed the relationship yet, they have the sense, of course, just by knowing what their family is like, like and knowing what South Asian culture is like, they have such fear that that starts to diminish their confidence and their self-worth and their, their sense of self, right? Like who they have known themselves to be this long is now being challenged because they're, be, they're being either met with disapproval or they're fearing disapproval and, you know, all the way to rejection. So they come in very confused. Like, I love my life in some respects, but I am having crazy anxiety and crazy fear in these other respects, right? So what we do is we work on making all of that whole again. We work on making all of that, again, just the one thing that they are. Because they are, yes, all of these things, but really they're one thing. They're one person, right? So we try to take all of those different fears and um, fragments and put them all together and reinforce that sense of self, you know, really, really coming forward with a stronger self-concept because that's the thing at the end of the day, it's your, your, your personal self-concept that's really going to carry you forward and carry you through, right? So even though their self-worth is being challenged because they're in this very difficult situation, they are able to pull from other parts of their life to remember, wait a second, like, I'm good at this thing. I know how to do this thing. Wait a second. I'm making this choice because he, wait, he is a good dude. He is a good person. She is a good person, whatever it is, you know, like she comes from a good family, like, you know, and we often end up having to make excuses almost for the blackness or the otherness. And that too gives them a diminished, like they're like, wait a second, you know, why am I having to do this? Why am I having to compensate? And they can relate to that because they've had to compensate for their choices so much in their life. So just putting all of those pieces together and seeing how so much of it is connected really starts to stabilize them and build them back up to a place where they're able to come forward in their truth and be a little bit more, you know, forthcoming and, and courageous. Um, about it, about their choices. Yeah, what an incredible journey. And that self-concept piece is so, so true about self-worth because it's like, if you don't, you know, know who you are, how do you feel worthy? How do you feel connected to yourself? How do you know when you are shining as your authentic self, you know? And the more that you love and and grow that sense of self-concept as well as like grow your love for who you authentically are, the easier it is to say like, if you don't like me, you don't like me. You know what I mean? I'm not going to change myself because like I, I love myself and I stand behind who I am fully and I know who I am fully. And I know, you know, like you, you have this like deeper sense of self-worth and confidence behind those decisions that you make you trust your own decisions because you feel worthy and like it's all just kind of this this package that comes together but um it's it's so beautiful to be able to have that behind you because the way that you move through the world the way that you deal with rejection is so much more 
um, just different and just stronger. Um, like you, you have that foundation and, and that's something that's just priceless. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, in my own personal experience, because I've navigated this for so long and, you know, my parents accepted it years and years and years ago. Right. So I've not had to, but I have not been faced with, with these particular challenges, although I know them well, and I, I faced them very early on. And I faced them at a time where there was no internet and social media and all this connectivity that we have now. So I truly felt, you know, alone. And because of that, because I had to experience it that way, it reinforced my self-concept. I grew as a person because of these experiences. I was able to be so much more clear and confident in who I am and the choices I make. It gave me the courage to pursue fashion, which is something that is so far removed from any reality that is available in a South Asian home, right? Like I, I was one of the first really in my community to really go against the grain. I, I move, I'm an only child and I moved to another country by myself to go to fashion school. Like, you know, all of that came from that same confidence that was born from making different choices, choices that were not part of that, that one little prescription that was written for me at birth, you know? Um, so this is the thing that I really try to show my clients is that this one part of your life impacts so much of how you show up in the world and so much of what, who you are and what you do and what you're capable of. And it's going to change your choices because you know that you're capable of more. You're, you know that when faced with a challenge, you can meet that challenge. You, you know that you've overcome, you've done something different. You don't have to go into the same box as everybody else. You can, you can be in a different box and be okay. In fact, you can be even better off in a different box. You know, that has, because that has been my experience and because that's something that has been so um, really centering for me, like really has, has made me into who I am and, and allow me to show up in ways that I would never have been able to had I not had these experiences. I know that it's possible for them. And it is really like, that's my mission is to be able to show that to them and, and have them believe it to the extent that they can start living into it and start, you know, really redeveloping that strength and that, um, that certainty so that any choice that they have in their life, they can approach from their truth. That's why it's so important too to work with someone who knows the experience, who has that, you know, personal, like nothing can replace no book, no informative video that you watch. Nothing can replace that personal experience, the feeling of it hitting your nervous system, the emotions, the bodily sensations, even that you go through, like that is what is so important to look for in a coach, I think is personal experience, because I've had so many therapists who are, you know, PhDs, and they've all, all this schooling and all these courses and certifications, and yet they understand nothing about me and nothing about my experience. And like, you just can't replace that. So I'm so glad that you're doing this work and being this person for, you know, all these people who really do need you and who need someone who understand their story. Um, so I do want to ask you about um, your personal experience first and just say quickly, um, do you have anything in your personal experience that really surprised you either positively or negatively something that, you know, just kind of shocked you? And then would you also share you know, how people can work with you and how they can find you? 
Sure. Um, I've had a pretty colorful experience. You know, I've had a pretty colorful life in that, you know, my first relationship and all of my relationships have been with Black men. And so, you know, starting at 16, um, 25 years ago, it, uh, 25, 26 years ago, something like that, I had a really hard time for a few years. And then my parents were on board, right? Like they were, they were completely open to any reality that I was going to throw at them. However, in 2018, I separated from my ex-husband. I had been married for seven years and had my son with him. My son was six years old at the time. Um, my ex-husband and I had been together for almost 10 years, like nine or 10 years. And we separated and um, my parents were completely on my side. They were very, very supportive. Um, and then, you know, I was single and moved on and met somebody and became pregnant. And that was a moment in time where I wasn't sure how my parents were going to react because it's one thing to still do it the traditional way, right? Get married and have a child and have the house and do all the things. It's also somewhat acceptable in our culture now to get divorced somewhat, you know, we're, we're getting there, but to repartner, not be married and have a kid with somebody else, another black man, I was like, okay, now I might be pushing it. Let's see what happens. And so, you know, to be very honest, I used my strategy, the, the, the communication strategy that I have developed because I've known that, you know, there's a particular way that you can share something that that's very difficult, something that's very challenging that is going to allow the other person to hear more clearly. So one day I was already pregnant. I, we had already, you know, made decisions around what we were going to do. Um, even though we had not known each other very long, we had made a commitment to each other and to the baby and so on. So I was like, okay, well now I have to tell my parents. And I did so. I, I, I put the conversation forward first to my mother. And this is another thing, right? You got to do it the way you know that it's going to be received. I knew that my dad would have a little bit harder of a time. And that my mom was the first person that I, I needed to go to. Went to my mom, you know, had this conversation. I was prepared with all of my my points. So, um, you know, in my strategy, everything is very outlined. So I, I had everything ready and I told her and I was shocked that she was completely open, completely accepting. And, you know, she had some questions like, okay, well, who is he, <laughs> first of all? And are you sure that this is something that you can take on now in the midst of a divorce and with a six-year-old child and you're alone over there, you don't have any support? And once we talked through those sort of, you know, mom questions, but it wasn't about him being Black. It wasn't about me having another. It was really just, are you okay? you know, are you going to be okay? And so, yeah, that was something that really, you know, I, I was prepared for worse, but I'm so blessed to have the support and understanding, but that has come from me being unapologetically myself for the last 25 years. That has come because my parents now understand that I am who I am. And even though they might have had a different idea of who I was going to be, that I'm okay the way I am. I'm great, in fact. I've done things that they would never have had the courage or the confidence to do, right? And so sometimes I think that in their own little way, they're really impressed that they've raised a child, a daughter to be all of those 
thing, even though that was never really their intent for me to go so far, you know, forward. So, you know, I say all of that to say that we don't know what's possible for us, right? Even in something that was quite difficult and messy and in other people's eyes, still messy. I get a lot of judgment for, especially from the South Asian community for, you know, having two children with two different black partners. Um, I don't care. You know, that is my story, my truth, my reality, and only I have to live within that, right? So I I present that as a possibility to everybody, that there are so many ways to do this thing. And and we sometimes don't know how our parents are going to react. And over time, it is possible that they are going to be your biggest champions. But we also have to be prepared for the possibility that they won't. Um, People can work with me in a couple of different ways. So I, like I said, I am the conscious change coach. So I work with women of color and women of immigrant descent on coaching around change. That is, you know, the work that we do of um, anybody who needs a change, is seeking change, is desperate for change and doesn't know how to embark on that change, belief systems, mindset issues, you know, just general life stuckness, um, fear, Um, we move through all of that and we affect change. And then on the other side, we have Lindy and Bliss, which is my 12 week group coaching program for South Asian women who are in relationship with black partners. Um, And we are going to start another round of that program in January. Towards the end of January, I'm going to start enrolling clients soon. Very excited about that. And this is gonna be the best iteration yet. You know, we have really cool things in the program. We work for 12 weeks, we work through six modules, we have a ton of time for open coaching and Q&A. I do something called uh, Blindian Sister Stories where I have other South Asian women come in and share their experience. So, you know, you get so many different perspectives and so many different stories about, you know, different women's experience. And then everyone also gets a spotlight session. So everyone gets individualized open coaching during one of the sessions. Um, where we just, as a group, coach them through anything that might be coming up for them, challenging them, that they need support with. And the best part about this is the community. You know, the best part about this is that finally there is somewhere for us to go and have these conversations and share these stories and talk to each other openly and honestly about things that we can't just bring to our friends because, and certainly to our families, because it's really hard to understand unless you you've been there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. And you know, I'm, I'm just really happy to be able to provide a little space for this conversation, for this experience, because even though we're approaching 2023 and, you know, we're in a place that we shouldn't have to have these conversations anymore, understanding that there's still a need, but understanding that there's a way to move through it is like my greatest joy, right? To be able to really guide people um, to the other side. Yeah, I mean, you are doing such incredible work that the world really, really needs. And I'm so excited that you're just providing this for for people and giving people an, an avenue to work through these things and, you know, just space to be themselves and show up as their full selves. And I think that's where everything that you were sharing prior to this about your experience and how you got to this place with your parents by being your authentic self. I think um, knowing that 
whichever way it goes that you're finding your authenticity through this process is again, priceless, but it's also this thing that a lot of people don't take the time to do. It's something that you could go your whole life without. And as much again, as this whole experience and process and dealing with all of these issues is incredibly painful. It's also beautiful because it does bring you to this point of having to confront who you are and building that up and putting love into that. And that is just something that again, not everyone gets the chance or the privilege to do. And so as much as it is painful, it really is also a beautiful privilege that that we get to dive headfirst into those things and that there's then people who can support us and catch us in that process. This whole conversation has been so, so amazing. Thank you so much for being so open and sharing and just answering these questions honestly. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be able to to share this with you, because again, you know, there's not a lot of space for us to talk openly about much of anything, right? Especially things that are, you know, a little bit more of a niche experience, but that apply to really all of us, because this isn't really just about interracial relationships or, you know, having hard conversations with parents. This is about life and showing up as you and being happy with you and being accepting of you and being you know, unapologetically you. So that's really what this is about. And I know that that's very much what you also are about. So I'm glad to have been able to share in this conversation with you specifically. I've enjoyed it so much. Thank you for, for having me. Yeah, thank you again for, for being here. And um, do you have any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to share? Um, I think my final thoughts are just, listen, there are so many different ways to do this thing we call life, right? There is no one way there is no right or wrong. And what's right now might be wrong later and what's wrong now might be right later, right? So I think just having the openness for possibility and having a um, an ability to really mine yourself for what's true to you right now is the greatest gift that you can ever give yourself, right? That is the greatest gift that you can bestow upon yourself is just being real with yourself right now and allowing what's possible to show up to go for it when it presents what a beautiful note to end on thank you so much again thank you thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Becoming Enough. I am so, so grateful to have you here and that you listened to the entire episode. If you found that this episode helped you in any way, please share it on Instagram and tag me at BETI Grew Up. And if you'd like to support another way, I would really appreciate any donation of any kind. There's going to be a link in the show notes where you can donate or write a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help me so, so much and they help other people like us find the podcast as well. If you'd like to take our journey a step further and work together, you can find the information on how to book a tarot reading or a self-worth coaching session in the show notes below. Thank you again, and I hope you have a beautiful week ahead.